Welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. My favorite thing in the world is to reconnect with people. And our guest today, Kristen Luke, is somebody who I've known forever uh, in financial services industry and in the world of marketing. Uh, it just seems like she's always been ever present and omnipresent in the world of thought leadership. She's consistently contributing to the greater good of financial services professionals when it comes to marketing. And recently we reconnected. Uh, I don't know, was it, just, was it just through LinkedIn? How did we like, how do we re-engage? Because I've been following you forever. Yeah, I think I just reached out to you. I saw what you're doing on LinkedIn and I said, I need to connect with Matt again. So, Well, and I'm super happy about that. So she has created a new company called Kaleido Creative Studios. And we're going to make sure, of course, that we have all of the links in the show notes and make sure you follow her on LinkedIn. She's always posting amazing stuff. And what we're going to talk about today, something that's very near and dear to all of our our hearts here at Proudmouth, which is niches. Now, some of you might be saying, oh, dear God, Matt, are you going to talk about this again? I'm going to say, hell yes, because I'm going to try to convince you by using another professional who's really, really good at helping you figure out how you're going to focus your marketing to the point where you're going to create raving fans. And that's what she does. Now, you recently published an article for Kitsis.com where you talk about three types of marketing approaches for financial advisors. So, Kristen, what are those three approaches and what were you talking about in the article? Yeah. Well, thanks, Matt, for having me, by the way. I'm really excited to be here. We're on the same page so on, uh, as far as philosophy, so I think it's going to be a great conversation. During the pandemic, I had a lot of time to sit around and think. So I was really evaluating all of the different firms I've worked with over the last 15 years and was trying to figure out like what made each of them successful, the ones that were really doing well, what made them successful. And I realized that they all had different strategies, but they were all very focused on that one strategy. And so I I categorized them into really three different approaches they were using. They were either using the transaction approach, the relationship approach, or the expertise approach. And I'll just give you a quick overview. The transaction approach is kind of more of what you think about with traditional marketing and financial services. So like the public workshops, maybe the radio shows, just kind of a mass audience where you're throwing out your call to action and you're hoping somebody's going to accept that call to action. You usually don't have a relationship in place already and you probably don't have you're not demonstrating any expertise outside of what's considered like table stakes for financial services. Some of the fastest growing firms I ever worked with were under that transaction approach. It just takes a lot of money and a lot of energy and but you just keep feeding that machine. Yeah. The second approach was the relationship approach, which I think is what most RAs naturally gravitate towards, which is all about referrals and being involved in the community. And when you talk about joining boards and volunteering and having client advisory boards, so it's all about nurturing those relationships and then attracting clients either through word of mouth or referrals. Yeah, it's a great, great way to attract clients. Most firms do that. People are really can be really successful with that. And then the third approach is what I call the expertise approach, which is firms that pick a niche and decide they're going to go all in on that niche and become an expert with that. 
And so I kind of like to call this like the Michael Kitsis approach, where it's just like they know a lot of information for that audience. Mm-hmm. And really, that's the area that I find most interesting. And that's where a lot of content marketing comes into play. So things like what you do with podcasts, that's where you show your expertise. During the pandemic, there were lots of you know challenges with marketing. It just became a lot more difficult. And we could talk about that if you want, but it did. It became more difficult over the pandemic. And I thought to myself, you know what? The firms that are doing the best right now are the ones that are using this expertise approach, at least as far as my clients are concerned. And that's what I want to do. That's my natural instinct for marketing. I think that's the easiest way to market personally. And so I'm going all in on that. And so we made a shift last year to say, we're only going to work with firms now that are really going to focus on a niche and become an expert within that niche. And you talk about that too, like on your website and some of your podcasts. Well, and it's, it's, uh, isn't that what we're looking for in financial advisors? I mean, the relationship part is huge. The transactional part really is old school. That's 1990s marketing. And you really do have to feed the beast. And there are people who love feeding that beast and they get a lot of fulfillment from doing that. But, but we're really like you trying to push the industry in a little bit different direction. Now, I need you to expand on the expertise marketing. Like, What does that mean to you and how do you help advisors focus that expertise? Doing the expertise approach means you first have to figure out who you're going to work with. And I'm not talking pre-retirees. <laughs> needs to be a little bit more specialized than that. Or women. That's or my women. Favorite. Women is my niche. Really, 51% of the population is your... That's that's the antithesis. That's the majority. All right. Sorry, continue. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you're right. I mean, you can't be an expert to, in all things to all people. When people are like, well, I'm an expert in retirement planning. Well, not really. <laughs> like, Maybe you're an expert in retirement planning for Verizon employees. There you go. There's an expertise because that requires some sort of knowledge outside of what every other financial advisor knows. Really, that's where the beginning is. is you got to pick a niche. And that's really hard for people. They're really afraid of that. And then what you do is you really start thinking about what, what message is going to resonate with them. And when I work with people to pick a niche, I always say like the best niche is one where they all have the same problem, right? Mm -hmm. So the problem with women is they don't all have the same problem, you know, (laughs) (laughs) all business owners don't have the same problem. Some of them are startups. Some of them are just trying to figure out what to do with all their cash. And some of them are trying to sell their business. This is a really hard thing for people to kind of get their head around, but they need to figure out to me, a niche is like, they have the same problem. If you can figure that out, then you're on a good niche. And then you message to that, right? You got to say, okay, this is what I do. I help these people. I help just go with business owners. That's a popular one. Mm-hmm. I hope help business owners, you know, prepare for their finance, personal finances and increase the value in their business so that they can sell and maintain their lifestyle, that kind of thing. So you got to really message that. And then you create content all around that. So if you want to be an expert, you got to create content. You said something a little earlier that I need to circle back to Kristen, which is is the fear. What are the objections that you're hearing from financial services professionals when you talk about niches specifically? Why are they afraid to do it? I think the first fear that they have is that there's not going to be enough people for them to be able to market to. You know, when you niche, your pool gets smaller and they feel like that scarcity, they're not going to have enough clients. So that's one of them. Another fear is that they're going to put all their energy and effort into this other this other niche and maybe it'll alienate their existing clients and those clients will leave. That's a real concern for them. Or they're worried they're not going to be able to pick up other business that's, you know, be profitable for whatever reason they think that and they're going to turn away business. 
And that's fine. Those are all legitimate concerns. I find that that doesn't happen, though. <laughs> yeah, I agree. When you pick a niche, it gives you direction and focus and a path to you know your marketing. It's a very legitimate concern. Anytime you make a big decision like that, there's going to be fear behind it. Sure. But I don't know anyone who's ever done a niche that said, oh, that was a bad decision. Oh my gosh, that's I so agree with you on that. Everybody who we've worked with, who we've helped over time, uh, narrow, 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 have have said, "Oh my God, this is the greatest gift I've ever given to myself." And the the second one of the counterpoints that you said there, which is, "I'm afraid I'm going to alienate existing clients or existing relationships," I have never heard that that happens. In fact, we hear the opposite that their existing clients say, "Well, oh my God, well now, no, I I know exactly who to refer to you," mm-hmm. because before I was like, "Yeah, you know." You kind of work with everybody and uh, everybody i don't know but when you have that focus that's so absolutely fantastic that's right absolutely and i mean to be honest your your clients don't go to your website and see what your messaging is anyway they well if they go they're going to the client login and that's it (laughs) i know that i look at analytics all the time that's all they're looking at so they're not paying that much attention to what you're doing and you're not going to message to them for what you would message to your new niche anyway you're going to keep them off of that communication I was just talking to one of our existing clients today. We were talking about launching another podcast for him, and he works in the fintech space. I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. the tech startup space, not fintech, tech startup space. And he said to me, I said, well, how are things going? And he said, dude, I I can't, I I have to hire two associate wealth advisors. And I was like, okay, cool, right, great. He's like, Matt, COVID changed the pool. So, Kristen, you just talked about that, right? That people are concerned that their pool is going to shrink. Mm-hmm. And and he said, that's the opposite of what's happened when I focused was I just realized how many more people needed my help. And then you look at, it's not the law of large numbers anymore, right? I want everybody to just, just throw that out of your brain. It's not the, the 10,101 or whatever 10, whatever the old rule of tens used to be. There are more than enough people. And if you think about it, and if you are trying to do great work for the right people, you don't need 900 clients, you need 90. So let's talk about that a little bit. Part of your process, which I absolutely love, and I'm so glad you're doing this because it's such a wonderful opportunity for advisors, one, to see that there's a process to arrive at the niche and that you also have systems and processes in place to help them figure out their talking points and all of that sort of stuff. Let's talk about the steps, right? Our clients, our, our listeners love it when people like you say, well, step one is this, right? So talk about where, where do they even begin, Kristen? How, how do we, once they finally give up and say, okay, you guys are right. You know, you're 350 episodes into this freaking podcast. Finally, you brought somebody on that resonates with me. I finally believe you guys now, Matt, Kristen is the right person to share this message. Where do they begin? Yeah. Well, first I want to say that you don't have to go all in on a niche. In fact, I wouldn't even really recommend it in the beginning. You got to test it out and see if it's going to resonate, if it's going to, you're going to be successful with it. So you kind of do it as like a side gig or a side project. Still all your focus is going to go there, but you don't have to change your whole website saying I'm working with business owners or women, widowed women, women, (laughs) I'm not going to say women, you know, try it out. Like don't put all of your eggs in one basket quite yet. I mean, we'll get there because that's what you want to do. Let's put that fear to ease as well. First thing, obviously, you have to pick a niche. You got to do some soul searching. I always say, you know, you want to think about what you're passionate about. What is your natural aptitude? So do you have experience in certain areas that maybe other people don't have? 
I was talking to a guy earlier this week and he used to be an executive before he became a financial advisor. He used to be an executive where he was sent overseas a lot. And I said, well, have you thought about working with expat executives? Like that's, I mean, there are a few firms that do that, but that's a really great opportunity. What is your past experience or what is it that you're naturally good at that you could look into for a niche? And then also what's profitable? You don't, <laughs> let's be honest. I don't think that working with 20 somethings is generally very profitable. There is this argument for subscription model and all of that, but you want to find someone who's profitable. So really it's the intersection between your passion, your aptitude and what's profitable. Some people recommend that you go and look at your client base and mm -hmm. examine that. I don't know. I don't think that that necessarily always find, you know, awakens what the right niche is for you. Maybe you have a couple that you can glean some interest or um, get some insight from, but maybe it's a whole different direction and that's okay. I like that you use the word awaken, right? I mean, so that's how this process should be. This should stir something in your soul because first off that niche is going to feel it right mm -hmm. when when you're talking to them like the expat advisor mm -hmm. right uh, oh my gosh one they already know the language they know their biggest pain points they probably even know the companies and stuff that those people are working for it, that's such a wonderful entry point into really focusing down and then finding out that you you know how many of those do you really need to make your marketing effort successful how do you answer that chris and so when when somebody says okay well i'm gonna go i'm gonna go part in on this is where i'm gonna start mm -hmm. how do you help them realize success measure success and and really maybe want to take it to the next level of focusing even more yeah well the first thing is they need to I make sure that this is going to be a viable market. And so I actually read this book. I think it's called The Business of Expertise. And I don't remember who wrote it, but he was more of a business to business. The advice was business to business, but he had a really good point. Like you need to find a niche with somewhere between like 2,000 and 10,000 people. Like you can find that niche. Like you can get, you can get into it and you can be known pretty well. You know, not, it doesn't take that much. When you have too big of a market, then people just don't know who you are. That's part of the, the challenge. How do they figure out success? Well, one of the things that we do is we take them through the process of messaging and just putting something together, putting a landing page together, putting just like a two-page brochure and just start getting it out there and talking to people first. You know, it doesn't take very much just to get started. So once you have your landing page, maybe a little, you know, two-page brochure, you go out and talk to people you know that are in that niche. It's really that simple. And I think there's this fear around like, I don't want to put myself out there. I just want to put myself on social media and say, this is what I'm doing and mm -hmm. people will flood in. <laughs> you know? That's not how it works. So I have a client who's going through our process right now and they did that and they talked to their existing clients about what they're working on and they're switching their niche to family legacy planning. Ooh. And yeah. So they're talking to their clients and they're like, well, that's not right for me, but it's perfect for my parents. And so they're like, they're getting all this feedback. Like, oh, I want you to work with my parents on this because they're, you know, in their eighties now or nineties and they don't have a good plan for all of us. They're getting that kind of feedback and it just really is energizing them. They're like, we're on the right path. This is exciting for us. They found this niche because they also did family legacy planning for their own family. Oh, they have a personal experience. So that's, when we were talking about like awakening that niche. That's, that's what happened with them when they went through that process. When you talk to people, I think you can get feedback fairly quickly if you're onto something or not. And if you're not, great, start over. Right. <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't put too much energy and effort into it yet. And I think that people think that they have to pick this niche and they're going to go all in. And if it fails, it fails. It's like, no, it's, it's iterative. You, know? you take each step, see how it goes. Your first message might not be right. You might have to come up with something else. 
your niche, first niche might not be right. It's okay. But this is why we don't go all in in the beginning, because you have to figure out what's going to work. When I was in grad school, one of the things that one of my professors said was, you know, is I was going to be a therapist, which I think everybody on the mm -hmm. podcast knows that I failed miserably at. But anyway, <laughs> whatever. It was a great failing forward moment for me. But one of the things that he said was do some research. And so I don't know if you have your clients do this, but this is something that Kirk and I have talked to a select few of our clients who are trying to focus a little bit more is find the identify the niche and then pick up the phone, ask them to go out to coffee and ask them if you can interview them now of course we want to turn this into a podcast but it can become a white paper blog whatever or just mm -hmm. research and say hey what are the three biggest things that you're concerned about i'm not trying to sell you i, I don't you know i don't even know if this is the direction i'm going to go but i'm you're somebody who i know and trust again going into your client base just like the family succession mm -hmm. planning goodness gracious what, what what do you think about that technique I think it's a great technique. I find that most advisors won't do that right in the beginning. So this is why we take them through like thinking through it on their own, what their messaging is, what the pain points are, putting it on a landing page, putting it on a brochure, like something about having something tangible and written, then they feel more comfortable than going and interviewing. Oh, so that's when we have them go interview. Yeah. It's like they already have their talking points and so they can get feedback on something specific and then ask those questions too. Ding, ding, time. ding. Oh boy, I'm stealing that from you, sister. That was freaking awesome. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely love it. Okay. So what what are some of the what are some of the pitfalls? What what are some of the the hiccups, the false starts, some of the things that you have seen that it would be great for our audience to understand that one, they're not alone, and two, yeah. that there's somebody like you that can help them solve those pitfalls and problems. Yeah. Well, the first thing is is that when we first introduced this program a year ago, we didn't say you need to focus on one niche. We we it didn't even occur to us that we had to say that. And so people were picking like five niches. But that is a oh. recipe for disaster. <laughs> They're like, oh, we work with widows and divorcees and business owners and pre-retirees and just like, okay, you're not niching here. And and some firms can pull that off. You know, you have 20 advisors, you can each right. have your own niche. That's mm -hmm. fine. That works. But if you're, you know, one, two, three person at firm, that's not going to work for you. You don't have the time and energy to do that. It's like going to a networking event. If all you had to do is go networking event for business owners, you're going to meet a lot of the same people over and over again. You're going to get more traction with them. But if you had to go to networking events for business owners and then physicians and then whatever else, like, oh my gosh, can you imagine spreading your time that way? So marketing's the same way, right? Like you're spreading your marketing thin. You're not going to make any sort of impact. When you have too many niches, that's a big problem. The next one is even firms that I've seen that pick a niche, they always choose a generic message. Oh, it's really interesting. And I'm like, what is it specific about this niche that that they resonate with? Like, You can't say we're going to give you peace of mind for retirement. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, put the puzzle pieces together. Yes, there's lots of very. Oh, OK, yeah, keep going. Sorry. Yep, yep. You know, it should be something else like we're going to help you increase the value of your business so you can sell it so you can live the lifestyle you want. Something like that. I mean, I, I have messaging people on staff that help with that, but you know what I'm saying? Like be specific to what your niche is. Do not go with a generic message because it's just not going to resonate with them. So one of the things we haven't talked about is once you get your message out there and you start testing it out, you need to build credibility. Mm -hmm. And the only way to start building that credibility is through content at this point. You, you can also build credibility through working with clients, but you're not getting the word out. That's not going to spread very quickly. So you got to create content. I see 
advisors use generic content, they'll come to me and say, what do you think about this canned content provider? And I'm just, same thing I said about the generic message. Like, it's not going to resonate. You're not talking about their problems. They're not going to find you on a search because you're not answering their questions. I am a firm believer in original content and it should be so specific to the niche. Yeah. that's another one. You said something a, a second ago, and it for some reason it literally just triggered because you gave the four to ten thousand number range, mm-hmm. and and I remember a long time ago when when I wrote the social media handbook for financial advisors, that was the number that I wanted people to get down to when they were going to do Facebook ads because for two reasons. Number one, it was way less expensive, right, mm-hmm. to try to market to ten thousand people than it was to market to four hundred thousand people and two it really allowed everybody to be very very good and focused and in and all of that stuff where did those numbers come from that was from the book business of expertise that was his advice again that was business to business so i'm not sure it applies exactly to financial advisors but i think it gives you a really good idea of like how few people you actually need to be able to have a really good business Ten thousand people getting in front of them over and over again is a whole lot easier than getting in front of a million people that might qualify for just they're over 50 years old and have x amount of assets well and then on top of that if i'm going after that group guess who else is marketing to that group ken fisher rick edelman right and their spends are way higher than anything you're ever going to be able to spend but if you're hyper focused micro focused if you really do have that niche and with good messaging that really works out well okay so i i thank you for clarifying that because mm-hmm. i but how do they create content chris and this is the number one objection or concern that i have with people who want to start podcasting is they will say matt i don't know what to talk about yeah i think that's i mean that's definitely a struggle for a lot of people what i do is i have them go through and brainstorm you know what are the major financial concerns that you're seeing that this niche has and if they haven't worked with the niche a lot then when they go on their interviews like you were talking about like they can get that information that's one of the questions that they should ask is what is your primary financial concern or why did you come to us start to get that if you're listening to your clients you can have plenty of content because they're going to tell you exactly what's on their mind. Prospects are generally even better because those are the people that's what's on their mind when they're hiring a financial advisor. So I always say like track your triggering events. What are what's what are people coming to you for? What what happened in their life that they're like, okay, I'm hiring you or I'm looking for an advisor. And if you just track that, then you can start writing on those topics. And one of the great things is, is that when you are working with a niche, you start seeing patterns, everyone starts having the same problem. And so you can really start to narrow in on, okay, these are the topics I need to discuss. And whether you're writing a blog or doing a podcast or whatever it is, you just want to hammer in or hammer on those things over and over again. Yeah. And I think people get afraid that they're like repeating themselves, but you have to repeat yourself. Same message. (laughs) I mean, if you think of like, I think it's what Dave Ramsey and like the debt thing, right? Like that's the only thing he talks about, I guess. So. Well, and, and so people are going to remember all 20% of what you say anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and it, if anybody thinks about marketing, like marketing and or advertising, I can tell you, I could probably hum a couple of bars of a couple of jingles and you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. It's because I saw it and heard it so many times and you can do that with content. You can even do that with podcasting. I had a client who's been with us for over a hundred episodes. So long time, one of our first clients mm-hmm. and he, and he, and somebody had asked them, dude, uh, how are you coming up with things to talk about? He's like, 
I go back to episode number 22 and I cover that again and freshen it up <laughs> and say, hey, I did this in episode 22. I got some new thinking on this. It, the content begets content begets content. And so many of you, if you actually sat down with somebody like Kristen and did some brainstorming, you're going to find out very quickly that it's inside you already. Sometimes we just need to have somebody like you, Kristen, that helps pull it out. And once you start creating content, you're probably going to have to do some research. That's one of the great things about creating content for a niche is that it forces you to know more about that topic. You know, you have to do the research in advance. And so once you start doing research, you're going to find other topics that are going to be of interest. As long as I think that the key is just to have a way to capture that every idea that you have either on your phone or a notebook or whatever it is, right? Capture it because you'll think about it and then you'll forget about it. And then you can't come up with a topic. <laughs> that, that never happens to me. I'll tell you that at all. <laughs> Okay. Do you help people find, so, so we've identified the niche, you've helped create the talking points. Mm -hmm. Do you help them find places to market? There's really like two ways that people are going to find you. The first one is they're going to do some sort of search. And so that's why, you know, like on search engines, Google, so you want to make sure you're optimizing your content for search engines, no matter what you're doing. Cause they also have, they have a question. They're looking for an answer. You want to be the one that they find. So that's one area. The other area is really, I call it influencers, but that's not really the right term because it can also be, it's not influencers like what we think of like social media, but it's people who have access to the audience that you want to access as well. When you're just starting out, you need to really utilize that. I think people have this idea that they're going to be able to go on social media and start building their audience from scratch. And that's really hard. I mean, you can use ads. It's expensive. And it's really not all that effective because social media is just people are scrolling and scrolling. It's not very intentional. People are not using it in an intentional way. And so if you're thinking about intention, you want people who are searching or you want people who are following some other influencer. And those influencers can be more traditional in our field, like clients and centers of influence. It could be podcasters, YouTubers, it could be publications, if we're just talking in general terms. So when you think about influencers, it's like who already has your audience and how do you take advantage of that? And so usually that's content, right? Like a lot of publications are looking for content, podcasters, YouTubers, they're looking for guests. So how do you use those channels to start building your own audience? And so, yeah, we help people think through what I call like your niche ecosystem. Like, Ooh, Nice. What are, what are the publications? What is the media that they're doing? Who are they listening to? What events are they going to? And then just online channels and then start to get into that. I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do Facebook ads and then it'll be great. And that's just, it's a slow, expensive way to do it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it can be brutally expensive and not very reinforcing. I have a friend of mine here in town uh, and we were talking about him niching out. And one mm -hmm. of the things that he ended up doing was he found the association. So mm -hmm. surprisingly enough, just about every niche that you can think of everybody, there's a group of them somewhere, whether yep. it's a Facebook group or it's a lobbying organization or it's a networking organization. And if you can wiggle your way into those organizations by one showing up to their meetings and doing some of that stuff, I have a friend of mine who focuses on realtors I mean, a lot of advisors are like, man, I'm not doing that. It's feast or famine or whatever. Well, I don't mm -hmm. know if anybody's been paying attention, but they're rolling in dough right now. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, if you didn't 
didn't talk to them before this bubble and you kid and now they're going to think you're opportunist not trying to help and so this advisor got into the the southwest michigan realtor association and and he is now the person Mm -hmm. it's the person right well you're the one who works with realtors i'm the one who works with realtors i know what you experience and it goes all the way back to everything that you set up until this point they know exactly what their pain points are they know they have their communication set their talking points are there their content is surrounding it hey here's a white paper here's my blog here listen to my podcast you just go to my website i've got a checklist of all of the things that realtors are concerned about because they don't think they can ever retire that they're going to be dying in an open house on a sunday yeah Yep, that's right. And uh, I actually have a an advisor who's working with real estate agents too, but he's just starting. So he might have a little bit of struggle, I guess, based on what you're saying, because they, they are rolling in it now. But I think he's in it for the long haul. So he'll just wait for the cycle probably to pass. But you know this better than anybody is, is those ideal niche prospects smell that out. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have all of the foundation that you help advisors build, then it is going to seem like you're a flash in the pan, right? Instead of putting in the work to solidifying your content, solidifying your niche, solidifying your talking points and communication. When you have that, it makes everything look a lot different because then you don't look like a schmuck. You look like you're invested in that specific niche. Fair? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, when we're when we're working with firms, we make them go through a whole quarter of creating content before they're really promoting it outside of just their basic network. You talked about this on one of your podcasts. I think it was in July, maybe. It's like sometimes you just create content just to put it out there for credibility purposes, right? Like just because you create one piece and then just start promoting it, like that's not necessarily going to do you any good. So we like to build a foundation of saying, okay, you need to have like at least six pieces of content before you start trying to get into these, in front of these influencers, because then you have something to show them. Otherwise they think you're just, oh, we're just, they're going after us because we have money all of a sudden. I think a really good example of that is I have a client in Silicon Valley who had written a book about personal finance for tech uh, tech professionals. And this last year or so, the IPOs have been insane. And so he's just sending his book to everyone and he's getting real traction from that because he had already established this history of credibility of creating content. And I have to say for a while, he wasn't getting much from it at all. And then all of a sudden it was like the timing was perfect. And now I think he's had over 120 prospects so far. Oh. This year. And he's just over a hundred million. So, you know, that's quite a bit for that's a huge. firm of his size. Yeah. So I was just at a the national podcasting conference. It's called Podcast Movement. Mm-hmm. There was another conference going on in Nashville, Tennessee, and and it was really morbid, by the way. So these were for forensic scientists who work for police stations. Their breakouts were how to test blood for, and it was like you know, I was like, mm-hmm. oh my god, it's but I'm th- sitting, and there were four hundred people there. Could you imagine if a financial advisor would have positioned themselves, somebody who's so passionate about forensic, they love CSI and all of that stuff, which by the way, they all did. That was not Mm -hmm. like a cliche. And you know, and you'd be able to talk and and talk about that with such a level of passion uh, that you would have had a captive audience of 400 people, all you would, because there were booths there, Kristen, there there were booths and there were people who were doing breakouts and main stage talks. And I looked at the agenda and there was nobody talking about anything that had to do with 
retirement, helping people focus on saving debt reduction, anything like that, because you know what? These people work a lot mm -hmm. and they work crazy hours and divorce is really high. Nobody talked about that stuff. Yeah, they should talk about burnout. <laughs> you know, and how, how to position yourself so that you can retire early or something yeah. like that, you know? Yeah, it'd be a great topic. I think what people need to do is get so into a niche that you are basically in that community now. Mm -hmm. So like when, when I ask me like, or when I have to fill out a form and they're like, what, what industry are you in? I, I always put financial services and I'm like, oh no, I think they're looking for marketing, right? <laughs> That's what they're asking. But I don't consider myself a part of the marketing community. I consider myself a part of the financial services community, specifically the RA community. Yeah. So that's where advisors need to be. This is not a campaign. You're becoming a part of that, that community. All right. Who do you work with? You just talked about that a little bit. So let's be a focus. So our listeners love to know if they would be a good candidate to work with you, because I know you can't work with everybody. Who are your ideal clients, Kristen? Yeah, so we work with registered investment advisors. Most of them are fee only, but we do work with the occasional hybrid firm. It really can range. So one thing is you have to be in business for at least a year. You have to have some sort of experience knowing who you like to work with and who you don't. But after that, it really can range from about you know 20 to 30 million in AUM and then up. Traditionally, we, we've worked with firms like from 100 million to 500 million, but we've rolled out this new program this last year that allows us to work with firms that are a little bit smaller than that. And I actually, firms that are under 100 million, I think can really take advantage of a niche because they're, like you said, they're going up against the, the Edelman's and the Fishers. And it's like, you don't have those budgets. You cannot go up against the general pre-retiree message against those people who have these huge budgets. So if you want to stand out, you have to be a specialist or an expert in something. We actually, I'd say a lot of the firms that are coming to us now are kind of in that, that range, like 40, 50 million to hundred million. I've had firms though that with 3 billion that have come through our program because they want to focus on a specific niche for one of their advisors. So that's something else we're seeing. So we're either seeing kind of smaller firms that just want to focus their entire business on a niche. And then we're seeing firms that are larger that want to have help one of their advisors focus on a niche. When you have a firm with that many advisors, you, you can do that. But I would say one advisor per niche, you know, not, not one advisor for two niches. Right. You have two advisors per niche, but yeah, not the other way around. So what, what uh, you have a, a program. Let's talk about the program a little bit more, please. We have a modular program. So it goes quarter by quarter and we take you through a different topic each quarter. So the first quarter is all about um, establishing your niche, getting your messaging together, those things, the little brochure and the, the landing page. So you're out there and you're starting to talk to people and we make you go out and talk to people <laughs> and then report back to us so we can adjust what you're doing, start to get you prepared for the next piece, the next quarter, which is all about building credibility through content. Now we start with people doing a blog. If they really want to do a video, they can do a video script, but we like to get it on paper for the beginning because we're getting them used to coming up with ideas, planning out content. And then because they're usually somewhat newer in the niche, or maybe even if they've been working with that niche for a while, they've never, they've never actually communicated exactly what they, their expertise. So when you write it down, you have to get really clear on what you're, what you're presenting. Once they get comfortable with that, then they can move on to podcasts or video, you know, other types of content. But in the beginning, it's just getting this process, also understanding like how to optimize your content, things like that. So that's second quarter. Third quarter is all about getting into that community, building your audience. What I was talking about earlier, this niche ecosystem, how are you going to get 
your content in front of people. So we work on that. And then the fourth quarter is really about just your whole process, like lead capture and communication and just your materials and just smoothing out everything, creating a proprietary process for your niche. Because once you can have a proprietary process that is very specific to them and their needs, it's really hard for them to compare you to another advisor. Yeah. But you kind of have to work with them for a little while before you can come up with that process. If you do it too soon, you don't really, you don't have enough experience to develop that. And then in year two, we start looking at building a funnel and other ways to start driving traffic and all that. But that's the first year and it is quarter by quarter. It's very strict in that you have assignments and stuff you have to do every week because when I left it open to people in their own schedule, it never got done. Yeah. So we make sure that you're launching a niche in one quarter, you're going to have a content strategy the next quarter, and you're going to start becoming being seen as a thought leader, or at least being a, you know, having some sort of expertise in the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter, you're just smoothing things out. Nice. So. <laughs> and what's the best way for them to reach out and find out more about this program and working with you in general? Yeah, so they should go to our website, Kaleido Creative, and it's Kaleido like Kaleidoscope, if you're spelling that out. And we have all this information on there about the different modules and how it works and pricing. And we also have a free course as well that will help people choose a niche because we need you to be bought in on your niche before you ever come to us and start working on it. Our modules start every quarter. So our next one's October 4th. Anyone who's interested should you know, reach out, schedule a discovery call on our website uh, before then. Otherwise, our next one won't be till January. Wonderful. And a lot of people like to get going before in the fall. It's our busiest time because they want to be up and running in January for their new strategy. Yeah. Goal set and all that sort of stuff that everybody goes through at the beginning of the year. It's great when you have focus that allows you to create much more focused goals and it helps you achieve some things because you're setting a really great foundation. So, oh, and by the way, everybody needs to follow her on LinkedIn. Uh, we'll make sure that we have Kristen's link to her LinkedIn profile because she's always putting out magnificent content. Kristen, thank you very much for uh, being part of the niche army of people <laughs> who want to go out and, and help advisors really market in a very effective and very powerful way. And I want to thank you for your thought leadership. All right. Well, thanks, Matt, so much for having me and uh, love what you're doing and getting you know, helping advisors get their expertise out there. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, do. If you know somebody who needs to niche out, please share this podcast by clicking that share button. If you have a second, give us a quick review. But other than that, for Kristen and all of us here at Proudmouth, this is Matt Haller, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to learn more about how you can be your own loud, visit our website, read our blog posts, attend our educational webinars, and sign up for our new Influence Accelerator Academy, where you too can learn how to truly be an influencer in your space. Have a wonderful day.